the time you're hearing this, I know if you got me finishing the hat for Christmas. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, <laughs> Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant. You can call him Chip. And today we are talking about episodes 10, 11, and 12 of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stone Ocean. Yeah, and just so while we're talking about this, keep in mind the entire time, the these final three episodes is all we had, all I had at least, for nine fucking months. <laughs> Oh, this was a bad place to leave on. Not because of like, ooh, a nice cliffhanger. It's just like, wait, it just kind of stopped. <laughs> I need whole what? But that is a whole episode away. So let's start with episode ten, Operation Savage Garden. Head to the courtyard. One. I should note all the punctuation. Uh, head to the courtyard has an exclamation point and is in a, a parenthetical. Yeah. And one is also in its own separate parentheses. <laughs> yeah, I think this is just straight up the name of like the chapter of the manga, I think. You got to use your shift key a lot if you're talking about this uh, a particular mm. episode. Uh, so this one starts by recapping basically everything about the Star Platinum disc and also beating up Mirashone just... Just for fun. Just for fun. <laughs> it's not really irrelevant, but we have to see her face get destroyed a little more. Yeah. She got lots of money from Mira Shone, and that's not important, but it comes up again. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yes, after the recap, uh, it is a dark, foggy, spooky night at the prison, and we're hearing Father Pucci kind of just monologuing to himself in, in mm-hmm. his ancient, well, not ancient, but his old church. Uh, talking about how he's erased all knowledge of himself from Mirashon's memory disc. Which uh, is good. Which is good for him. <laughs> you know, he's got to keep his secret identity going on here. Uh, and we're getting more of his, like, uh, philosophy on on the world and uh, how the, the difference between uh, humans and animals is that humans strive while animals do not. Yeah. And as a, ch- as a chaplain, of course, he specifically believes that striving is to reach heaven. And mm-hmm. so he squishes a bug because bugs don't care about heaven, so they don't matter. <laughs> now, later in the day, Jolene, like in the the cafeteria area again. It, it's another day of scamming and spending here on the other side yep. of the OP. And you might notice that the little like uh, prison store in the open area inside has all of the fake books from the library seen as reused textures. Oh, I did not notice that. Yeah, yeah, look at that. <laughs> yep. So you can just like borrow them for free or you can buy your own copy. <laughs> <laughs> Does this prison have some sort of like business partnership with some book publisher or something? Because just... they're all really recent books. These are like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they got some special deal to get uh, all the, the New York Times best-selling nonfiction list. <laughs> and only that, yeah. So the Seven Wonders inmate, the the, the lunch lady inmate, yes. is up at uh, taking her turn at the phones. And uh, Jolene walks up to like ask for her turn in exchange for a pack of gum. But wait a minute, that's not gum. That's 50 bucks in there. <laughs> It's one of those, like, uh, spearmint gum things where there's that little strip you can peel off so the top is, like, on a little flap so you can kind of close it over the gum. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. And it's, like, spring-loaded to just, like, eject the money out an inch or so just for a nice reveal to sweeten the deal. Uh, But, yeah, this lady sees, like, a hundred bucks popping out of this little gum wrapper. 
and she immediately changes her tune. Get, add some extra like customer service to this, not just giving yeah, her the phone. Yeah, she gets service with a smile, man. <laughs> you know, grabs the little stool, pushes it close to Jolene, angrily grabs a, a already open can of Coke that the person behind Jolene was holding and gives it to Jolene, just like, here's some cola. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Jolene, uh, she, you know, she doesn't have a lot of options. How the fuck is she going to get this disc out? Well, it's time to dial 1-800-SPEEDWAGON. <laughs> like, she's so dedicated to her mission that her first call isn't to her beloved mama. And that's yeah. heartbreaking. That's sad. Yeah. But uh, it turns out the Speedwagon Foundation's uh, headquarters these days is in Dallas, mm-hmm. which leads me to believe they did kill Kennedy. <laughs> yeah. On what would have been... Like the the hundredth birthday of their founder, <laughs> you know. Okay, I'm off by like six weeks. Shut up! Okay. I don't care. I'm. <laughs> it's a it's a birthday present for the founder. It, hmm. Are there any policies that JFK had that Speedwagon would have really hated? <laughs> Is there anything to do with oil that Speedwagon would have hated? <laughs> uh, Robert E.O. Speedwagon could only respect an American president that would go into the Caribbean and grab the missiles himself. <laughs> yeah. Destroy them with a sledgehammer. So so she dials in and gets like, it sounds like an automated phone voice, but it recognizes her name. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And patches her on through. To, of all people, the narrator. <laughs> hey, the narrator's back again. She- She's going straight to the top. I, I hope this means that the, the person that is talking to Jolene is both the, the like, uh, park bench contact from Diamond is Unbreakable and the ambulance driver <laughs> from, from after the Dio fight. Yeah. Man, that guy's gone up in the world. So, yeah, the, the, that's the guy that answers. Uh, and he immediately, like, clarifies, hey, I'm just a scientist. I don't have a stand. But he knows everything he needs to know yeah he knows like about... the fact that jotaro is kept in a bacta tank uh yes uh, i i can only assume right next to santana's remains how are those <laughs> what's going yeah. on there what's going on there please don't look don't don't turn the light off don't. did you leave him behind in in washington is jotaro in washington did you i just don't know throw him out in a dumpster he didn't need that shit anymore i don't know but yes jotaro's body was retrieved he's kept in a, a little tank Quote, no signs of life, medically speaking. Yeah. In what other way could you be speaking? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jolene's, you know, informing him about, hey, I think we can bring Jotaro back to life. I've got one of the discs. I have no idea how to get it to you. I need you to help me. This is when this guy says what the Speedwagon Foundation is. And I want <laughs> to know, is this just a cover? Is this a cover explanation for the Speedwagon Foundation? Because I believe... Oh, you mean that it's, quote, an unarmed chemotherapy research organization? <laughs> what is that? Implying, implying the existence of armed chemotherapy research organizations. Yeah. yeah. They don't fucking mess around. <laughs> that feels like a cover for the Speedwagon Foundation. That's bullshit. I, I have never heard about them ever doing anything with chemotherapy. It's all stands and vampires all the time. 
What is a weirder implication of this statement? Like like an armed uh, uh, hit squad raiding the Susan G. Komen Foundation for cash? <laughs> right. Or the idea that you, you could just you could just be a random Joe on the street, donate to cancer research, and your money actually goes to buying Polnareff his turtle food. <laughs> yeah. Are they do they really do that work and the stand stuff is just a secret side business? Could you work for the Speedwagon Foundation and have no idea about any of that shit? And you, you, it really is just chemotherapy. They find all the best doctors and medical researchers in the world. They, mm. sta- they stab them all with a stand arrow. <laughs> yeah. And wait until one gets a stand that can cure cancer. The end. Oh, hell yeah. There you go. It, it'll work as well as anything else. Josuke or... Uh... Jorno could probably also do this, but they don't want to. Yes. They don't want to. <laughs> Curing cancer isn't a funny prank, so why would Josuke do it? But anyhow, in this uh, phone conversation, the the Speedwagon Foundation agent is like, hey, uh, be careful what you say. We're probably being listened to. And Jolene's like, I fucking know. I don't care. I'm desperate. Yeah. And so he says, okay, uh, meet our agent in 20 minutes in the courtyard. Yeah. Like they have been on call <laughs> waiting for the go ahead this whole yeah, time. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's not a lot of time. Jolene's got to figure out how the hell to get to the courtyard in that amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, they got... Just as a reminder, they got into this room from the courtyard while playing catch in the space of a cut. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't buy the rigmarole they have to go through. What is different? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not recess time. But yeah, they, the, the Speedwagon guy is clarifying, we can't get you out of prison or anything. All we can do is get this disc out. Look out for Savage Garden. Just keep an mm-hmm. eye out for somebody or something named Savage Garden. Hey, in fact, let's call this Operation <laughs> Savage Garden, which, by the way, is being localized to Savage Guardian. Which fits, I guess, yeah. as as a courier. Sort of, that's part of that job involves guarding the thing which you carry, I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, jo- Jotaro's fate, his, his current situation, does add an interesting wrinkle to stand lore mm-hmm. i guess that like when stands are introduced one of the first things we learn is that having one develop that you can't handle might kill you but now we're on the flip side where if you've got one having it removed might also kill you <laughs> yeah they'll get you coming and going mm-hmm. so jolene starts making her way towards the courtyard via you map know, she's, gotta make... she's got a brain map yeah she's got a brain map you know, she has to go past a bunch of different little checkpoints and stuff along the mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. And so with a whole bunch of that, you know, money she got from beating up Mirashon, she's just bribing every guard with like not even like twenties or something. It's like a hundred bucks every In- time. Including some recognizable guards, like uh the strip search guard with the uh the Rugrats hair. Oh yeah, the Cynthia doll hair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jolene is eventually making her way up uh the stairs in one area. Uh, and this is when Emporio appears out of nowhere. We know this staircase. This is a very, very well-known staircase. Of course, Emporio's there. Yep. And he says, here, don't catch the baseball. And then he throws her a baseball. Mm-hmm. Why? And so she automatically... <laughs> Why did you do this? <laughs> so she automatically, just by reflex, puts her hands out to catch She's the baseball. She's an expert at catching the baseball. It was yeah. well described. There's a whole thing. The The baseball falls into her her cupped hands and then just passes through her hands 
and like strikes the wall behind her and there's this beam of light that shoots out of the yeah, wall. It's, it's like she's struck by lightning when she fails to catch this ball that she was thrown and told not to catch. What else is she supposed to do with it? What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. And Jolene looks over at the, the wall where there is now just a big gap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and Emporio, who's all like distorted and warped looking, is inside the gap and reaches out towards her, grabs her, and we get like uh, uh, the world style, like, yeah. <laughs> and she's suddenly in a completely different room. Uh, it's a, uh, a really nice It's room. a cozy little office. There is a man sleeping inside a piano. <laughs> mm-hmm. we, we get a big shot of framing Emporio with two new dudes. One of those dudes is about to leave the episode and the rest of the episodes, and we won't know shit about them for a while. <laughs> for, I would say, nine months. <laughs> yep. But the other one is going to become a, a central cast member for uh, all the episodes we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. And he is the one that sleeps inside a baby grand piano. He does not have room to stretch out in there. No explanation is given, except sometimes he likes to take naps. <laughs> It, yeah, Emporio says there's no bed in here, so naturally he needed to sleep in the piano. <laughs> sleep on the floor! <laughs> there's a couch in here! <laughs> there's a couch! Uh, I, I do uh, like the uh, uh, little tray with an orange juice in a can. You know, that canned orange juice? Mm-mm. And a Mars bar I mean, spelled with a Z. <laughs> I mean, I guess the time period this that part six is set in doesn't really fit either. Cause I used to drink orange juice from a can, but it was like that high C bullshit. Yeah. 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 They used to have commercials where like the kid would drink, finish the, the orange juice and like take the can and smash it flat up against his forehead. Like he was shotgunning. And so I did that too. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Every single time Jolene just being teleported to a completely new room, uh, immediately goes, Hey, are you a ghost? But Emporio is not a ghost. He simply has no. command over ghost objects, and sometimes sometimes room is object, you know? Sometimes. Yeah. The, the room they are in currently is a room uh, in the prison, a p- the piano room, that burned down in a fire that happened back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And so this room no longer exists and has become a ghost, and so this is like Emporio's secret hidey room. And explains why uh, he's never, ever been caught. So the ancient Baroque-ass chapel, of which Pucci is the chaplain, mm-hmm. is like <laughs> less than 30 years old. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was ordered to be built mm-hmm, that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, Emporio was born with the standability, ghost objects and stuff like that. In fact, he can only interact with ghost objects. He tries to drink some of this Florida orange juice and it spills out through his throat because he's not a ghost and the juice is not a ghost, but he can only drink ghost juice despite not being a ghost. <laughs> yeah. But it's in a ghost room, so... Were they, were they, is I'm his guessing... mom's ass bone a ghost? Hmm. I was, like, assuming the... The orange juice and the candy bar were brought from the outside yeah, or something? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Does ghost uh, food, like, regenerate? I don't know. If he Does he have to just keep visiting places that, that no longer exist to steal their ghost food so he can not die? Mm. I mean, there must have been a lot of chocolate bars that melted in that fire. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. He's, he's got <laughs> Mars bars for days. Yeah. 
yeah, while he's like trying demonstrating this and like gulping down an orange juice that like he can taste, but it just passes right through the bottom of his face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just no clips right through him. And then Emporio um, continues to say the wildest fucking shit. Like, hey, I know you're busy, so I grabbed you and I'm wasting your fucking time. We're friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is your deal, little man? So Emporio already knows about the whole Savage Guardian thing. I guess he was hiding somewhere and able to listen in on the shit via Ghost Room stuff. Because, like, he, he uses the ghost objects to, like, go travel all the way through the prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he pulls out of his pocket the trash can he was hiding in outside <laughs> yes. of the visitation room. Like, fucking Looney Tunes style. It's very good. It's very good. Yeah. And he's like, hey, uh, you gotta be aware... Uh, someone's eventually going to hear that recording and know what you're up to. Also, Sleepyhead over here, his name is Weather Report. He's one of my boys. He wants to come with you. I will not say why. <laughs> Neither will he, really. Emporio like teleports everybody out of the, the old music room into the room that, the, the new room mm-hmm. that is in the same location. Uh, and this is when Emporio like kind of introduces Weather Report who, uh, he's a man who loves to stand in his tippy toes. He does love he the tippy toes. He walks on his tippy toes. Um, he is he... Uh, a tall, uh, rather muscular uh, uh, man that is wearing an all-over dark blue jumpsuit, you know, collar to toes, mm-hmm. uh, uh, with gold or copper uh, uh, accoutrements. By yeah, by which like, I mean strips on his knees and a floating codpiece that is not attached oh, yeah. to the red belt. No, it's it's like sewn into the <laughs> the, pe- the suit he's wearing. Yeah, the the cuffs on his sleeves are um like furred, mm-hmm. and he's also wearing like a big fur hat. Yes, it's very tall, and it has two little golden horns poking out. You of the know very when top Fred Flintstone goes to his Order of the Water Buffalo meetings? Yes. It's yes. that, but white. Yeah, that's what he's wearing. And he's got also got like holes cut out in the, the chest and collar mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. his like overall Little thing here. Inverted hearts all around uh, uh, the wide neck of this jumpsuit. But also uh, uh, arrowheads or really, really elongated hearts over his chest to mm-hmm. look like spooky Halloween skeleton ribs, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and a red um, belt over his hips with a, a matching gold W above <laughs> yeah. and again disconnected from the giant metal codpiece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is Weather uh, Report. Weather Report is named for a fusion jazz band. They're pretty all right. Listen to I don't know fifteen minutes of one of their their albums and thought I don't need to know more than this. I got the vibe. It's a good one. Uh, his Japanese voice uh, actor played Zoltan in Gundam Narrative. Okay. And uh, the courier in Akadama Drive, and dubbed the killer in Spiral from the Book of Saw. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, man. While we heard his English voice earlier in this podcast as the dead boyfriend in the Mutsukabe Hill episode of uh, The Spokorohan. Oh, Yep, I thought he sounded familiar. If I recall, back when we talked about him then, I mentioned him playing uh, Anti in both SSSS Gridman and Dinazanon. Okay, yeah. So, Weather Report has no memories. None. The, the going theory is that his memory disc was stolen by 
uh, White Snake. Strong theory. Uh, but this does yeah. not prevent Emporio from knowing a lot of facts about him, like the temperature of his nose breath. It's nice and warm. <laughs> uh, and also, Weather Report, for now at least, but it'll be different later, is a guy who doesn't like to talk very much or loudly, and so when he does talk, he gets right up in your face and whispers at mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. And the like. The one thing Weather Report does know about himself is that his stand was not given to him through a disc. He was born with it. What what a memory to have. For that to be the one memory that you have. <laughs> yeah. And so, yes, Weather Report wants to help because he wants to see if he can get his memory back from, from White Snake, if that is indeed what, how he lost them. Uh, and he just seems like a good guy and he wants to help. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. And he can help with that inborn stand of the same name, Weather Report. I, he lost so many memories, he named himself after his stand. Yep. And once you know it, his stand uh, controls the weather. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. It means a lot of things. Fucking everything, dude. Absurdly powerful stand because it's so vague. But yes, he can like control air and the wind and the moisture in the air. And like the first thing we see his stand do is little droplets of water in the air form tiny little clouds Mm -hmm. with like crackling electricity around his head and then it forms into like a humanoid cloud man from like the shoulders up he uh like commands some of these little clouds to shoot out wisps that knock over a mug full of pens that are on top of a piano and the the wind and the little rain droplets like play the piano that's how how accurate of uh control over the weather he has mm-hmm. uh do we want to talk about weather report the stands look before we move on yeah sure because this is also the meta episode break uh where we're going to mm-hmm. see on the title card our enemy stand before we see our enemy mm-hmm. but weather weather report the stand is a pretty basic stand it is uh just imagine a shirtless dude but made of clouds he's got yeah. wispy little like cloud logos you can imagine uh his kneecaps and and the shoulder pads uh, uh being used mm. as the like uh, icon for wind magic in an rpg oh yeah but his face is got a pretty cool face uh red eyes the cool only like color on this thing yeah but bunch of spikes and uh how would you describe the shape of the ridges coming off of his mm. face oval <laughs> Right. So, like, okay. Again, like several other stands recently, he's got like the Mega Man helmet ears. Yes. Or whatever. But yes, no, no real facial features. Imagine. So imagine you had like Killer Queen's smooth face, and then draw an oval over the center, and then have from the chin up to like the center of face. Imagine like a big clamp came down on top of that oval to lock it in place. Yeah, yeah. Like, and the same for the top of his head, but like from the eyebrows extending upwards the top. Of his Weather head. Report's head shape starts as like a featureless mannequin, and then you add mm-hmm. this oval disc that's a couple inches thick, lifted off from where the face should be. And yeah, this yeah. three pronged clamp: one for the chin, two for the the cranium ridges. Then you just put some yeah. eyes on top of all that. He got a pretty good head. Yeah. I could also imagine the whole shape on his head being described as uh, the way the letter Y would be written in uh, the the cyberpunk future in a movie or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, add spikes uh, to taste. Yeah, that's Weather Report. The stand, not the guy. 
But all this activity, of course, makes a puddle, all this rain. And in this puddle, we, we see a reflection in which some weirdo is paying attention. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. We've got weirdo attention. Yeah, and Weather Report is right up in Jolene's face, whispering like, hey, I knew there was a guy over there. Take a look at him. Uh, and this is when we get our... Uh, yeah, mid-episode title card of the enemy stand before it's been introduced. Kind of weird. Could have just put Weather Report it's there. It's Jumpin' Jack Flash. We've already had the Rolling Stones <laughs> as a whole. We've already had Crossfire Hurricane, the first line of Jumpin' Jack Flash. Mm-hmm. We're meeting in the middle. Uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash, the final boss song in Elite Beat Agents, by the way. <laughs> now, this guy's got a lot going on. This this is another humanoid stand, uh, just flat mm-hmm. gray with orange as his uh, highlight color. Yeah. All over jumpsuit, padded arms and knee pads in that orange uh, got a leather band instead of eyes? <laughs> yeah, like studded leather band around his head where his eyes should be. Uh, matching studded leather collar uh, around its neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a rocket ship? Yeah. A rocket ship uh, uh, cutout uh, over its chest and, and uh, uh, abs in a second highlight mm-hmm. color, more of a pinkish. Yeah. And big yellow uh, orbs around its wrist. Very significant orbs we will be talking about. Oh, these about. are going to be... Dude, these orbs are so fucking important. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that its skin, its gray skin overall, it's not really veiny, but it's kind of like warped and textured a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm. Like he's not smooth. He's a little bumpy. Oh, and also his mouth is like... It looks like a mouth that had been sewn shut, and they're trying really hard to open it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or something like that horror mouth, horror monster mouth. Yeah. So back at it, uh, Mr. Creepy in the hallway has suction cup toes. That's great. Love to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so everyone is is getting out of Dodge, getting away from this guy before they can find out what he can do. Uh, Emporio is being carried like a rugby ball. <laughs> yes he is and he shouts at the top of his tiny little lungs he doesn't know you're making your way to the courtyard well he does now <laughs> Emporio, Emporio you're really letting oh. me down today yeah he's fucking up <laughs> so yeah the, everyone's sprinting up the stairs again and this this new weirdo with his suction cup toes and, and fingers yeah uh he doesn't run no he scrambles on all fours like a fucked up little weird guy or animal? He's a fucked up little weird animal guy. He is entirely covered in a brown jumpsuit. And when he gets mm-hmm. the chance, he uses super spitting. Hell yeah, it's bad. That's that's just a kind of guy you can be in this world. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so like, yeah, this guy's got a stand. This dude has multiple supernatural abilities that are just him mm-hmm. and not his stand. Mm-hmm. The suction cup, toes and feet, the super spitting... Uh, so yeah he is in a dark brown he has the same uh orange padding along the outsides of his arms but also legs that a stand has he also has the same uh rocket ship cutout over his chest that in his case shows the bare skin beneath that a stand has mm-hmm. cylindrical flat top head but in his case i guess it's part of this cap that he's wearing or his stands are just like that sometimes yeah it's Bart Simpson's head upside down. It is. That he's it is because it ends in zigzag jaggies where it reveals his yep. mouth beneath it, sort of Batman style. And over yep. that is big yellow goggles. Like he has a Digimon <laughs> partner. Hell yeah. Also, I my my favorite thing about this like cap he's wearing 
over the top half of his uh, face and, and his head is um, there are brown threads, mm-hmm. thick, more like brown bands extending from his cheek, connecting to his eyebrows. That should be blinding him. Yeah, covering up his eyes. Impairing his vision, yes. Yeah, he the center of his vision should be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Also, like, you can see his eyebrows even though they're covered up. And this man, this man will will be named in the course of these episodes, but not until after he is defeated. <laughs> he is yeah. just a mystery until then. So uh, I guess I'll talk about his actors now instead of later. Mm-hmm. Uh, his Japanese voice was Lagoshi in B-Stars and uh, Saichi oh, cool. Sugimoto in Golden Kamui. And he dubs for Ezra Miller's Flash. <laughs> it's a good thing he has a lot of other work because imagine your paychecks being tied up in that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> While his English voice is one of the few people I've seen in you know doing this who works almost equally in dubs and U.S. produced animation... Oh, huh. Like, sort of, maybe even 60-40 on the stateside side. Mm-hmm. Like Time Baby in Gravity Falls. Ooh, Time Baby. Uh, but he was also Doral Rona, the purple boy in Gundam F91, and mm. Teddy in Persona 4. Oh, wow. Okay. I guess Teddy's had more than one voice actor then, huh? Yes, this guy's, the, the, this enemy's name is Lang Wrangler. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Named for Helmut Lang and Wrangler Jeans. No no jeans incorporated into his design. No. Like McQueen, who did kind of had he he had the, the jean like motif kind of in his shirt. He loves whatever. jeans. He loves jeans. He he's tired of jorts, he made a jert. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also one other thing about Lang Wrangler. He's not wearing shoes, but Mm-mm. he certainly has. He's bringing them along with. Yes, because they are the shoelaces of his shoes are tied to his ankles, and they're just dangling along b- behind him. Specifically, they're bright red Converse high tops. <laughs> yeah, fucking all star. He is balling, uh, mm. uh, or at least he would be if he actually put the shoes on. He prefers to use <laughs> his suction cup toesies. <laughs> I just love the idea of him wearing those high the, the the those shoes all the time, and then it's just like, well, time to go to work, and then he just takes them off because he needs the suction cup toes real bad. How do you, how did you get those? So he loses sight of our heroes in an intersection, despite Emporio's best efforts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we see the remaining uh, uh, path ahead of Jolene in an isometric diagram. Ooh. We've gone from top-down floor plan map to, like, indie steam platformer sort of, sort of look. It's kind of what it looks like, yeah. They're going over, like, the 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 route to get to the, the courtyard. Mm-hmm. And this is when we see where they're all hiding. Yeah, they're you want to talk about an... Looney Tunes. <laughs> oh, yeah. There is, like, an unused, uh, like, prison jacket hung up on the wall here. And they all, like, you see this little this coat kind of jostle around a little bit and then all of them poke their head out scooby-doo style from behind it Mm -hmm. or from within it rather emporio was able to use this coat as like a portal to a ghost object so So. yeah all all their (laughs) hind ends are in a ghost room somewhere and all their fronts are sharing this this jacket together (laughs) ridiculous ridiculous i love it 
and you can see like the the inside of the coat is just like a wormhole like mm-hmm. effect or whatever but yeah they're they're running over the path Julian has to take to get from here to there and how does anyone get anywhere in this place this place is a nightmare <laughs> so you got to go through the medical wing uh-huh then you got to go past the medical wing and there's a gate from the corridor around the corner which then takes you to a path that would take you to the men's prison mm-hmm. and right before the men's prison in between the, the women's and men's prisons is the courtyard. And, and somewhere in here, there's go. the machine shop, and, like, yep. there's a lot going on. It's, yeah. But it, it, this is where Emporio gets off the ride. He can go no farther, but he wishes them luck with the belief that reviving Jotaro will bring hope back into the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you kill one vampire, and suddenly the world revolves around you. <laughs> It was a bad vampire, though. It was a really bad vampire. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I'm just saying maybe we shouldn't be giving so much to him. <laughs> yeah. And so Emporio's also, like, giving her a bunch of words of... Giving Jolene a bunch of words of warning. Of like, hey, if you get caught here, you know, it's going to be real bad. You might have to beat up some guards in the way to, to get there, possibly, and... Jolene just says, yeah, I might get, like, an extra five years. Who cares? That's mm-hmm. nothing at this point. Uh, so they, they make their way up to another one of these checkpoints between areas of the prison. And there's a guard there who is drinking what I can only assume is Coke Zero G. Because it keeps, like, mm. bubbling up out of his glass. Wait a yeah. minute. Wait a minute. Uh, this was originally a, a can of Pepsi in the manga. Changed to our mm. favorite, Coca-Cola. I love Coca-Cola. So, yeah, as he he opens that can of soda and a bunch of it just starts floating midair, mm-hmm. he tries to pour, pour it into a glass and it's being, like, contained in the glass but still kind of just, like, floating. Uh, he immediately thinks, hey, the next living ob- being I see in front of my eyes clearly made my Coke zero gravity. Hey, you, Jolene, this sucks. <laughs> Get me a new Coke. And she uh, doesn't understand what's going on. She thinks this guy's just being, like real hard ass and not accepting his bribe to let her go on like okay you want you want the coke so bad okay and mm-hmm. uh i suddenly her cash that she tried to slip him floats back to her and she thinks this means he's rejecting the bribe and then she finds his cup in her shoe that is also floating around her head and doesn't know what to make of that signal mm-hmm. also the saucer that he was putting his glass on is levitating who the fuck Puts Coke on a saucer, you freak? <laughs> you freak? <laughs> and this is when Jolie notices she herself is weightless. Ah, uh, yep. okay. It's all coming together. Mm-hmm. Like, the prison guard here, like, had his back turned because he was he was trying to, like, find a towel to wipe up the, the Coke or whatever. By the time he turns around, Jolene's just gone. The momentum she already had when she kind of, like, leaped backwards, getting freaked out that everything was floating, was enough to, like, push her down the hallway Mm -hmm. in zero-G. And, so yeah, everything she has been touching recently starts to float, and now she herself is floating. And you Ah, might think, I thought that this Mm -hmm. is a standability that is completely irrelevant to Jolene Cujo. (laughs) You you might think that having gripple zip string fingies would Mm -hmm. make this a pointless, not even a challenge. You would be wrong, apparently. They thought Mm -hmm. of that. It is is so disorienting to not have a solid root on on what is up and what is down. Apparently, she's Mm -hmm. like compensating for thread drop that doesn't exist anymore. 
she's lost. She's swimming and and yeah. doesn't know up from down. Uh, uh, so okay, fine. She is vulnerable, I guess. Mm-hmm. And this is when Lang Wrangler pops up again, just leaping into the air. That's not grab... a real name. You can't keep saying that name. <laughs> Lang Wrangler. Lang Wrangler. Uh, so far in my notes, he's just Monkey Man. <laughs> monkey Man. Monkey Man. Monkey Man. So Monkey Man or, leaps or up Mr. into the air. Or Mr. Goggles, I think I have him in here a few times. Oh, sure. <laughs> he, he leaps up into the air because the Star Platinum disc has floated out of Jolene's jacket pocket. He just snatches that shit and immediately tries to snap it into little bits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't work. It's, it's too goopy. It's, it's too, too gooey, goopy. squishy. Ugh. And yeah, he's just like, ah, shit, I can't break it. I guess that's why White Snake told me just to grab it and not destroy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that he gets this uh, disc by literally blowing on one of Jolene's strings like a candle yes. to like divert it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as she was trying to, to snatch that. And so he just he just takes the disc and with all of his... Uh, He's clearly used to being in zero G. He's got his suction cup fingies and toesies. And so he's just like crawling like a little weirdo on the wall. He's even got around. suction cups on his heels. Yes. Disgusting. It's very bad and gross. Awful to look at. He's an awful man. Yeah. So Jolie needs to call for backup. How does she do that? Well, she grabs the Coke glass ties a string to it and throws it down the hallway. Now we know that she can listen through her strings. Mm -hmm. So now we see her talk through her strings and with the glass as an added loudspeaker. Mm -hmm. And this is illustrated by the words she is, she's calling basically just, Hey, weather report. I I need some help here. Uh, uh, Written out in like Japanese characters wiggling Mm -hmm. along the string. It's great. (laughs) It's very good. And then eventually, yeah, it reaches the cup, and then it gets, like, almost shot out of the glass like a cannon, sort of, in the animation. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. The, the words only carry so far, and they dissolve, and she thinks, ah, shit, all hope is lost. Weather report's too far away down the hallway already to hear me. Oh, wait, there he is. <laughs> Here he comes. It's finally time to talk about the wrist orbs. Yes. Because Jumpin' Jack Flash comes out bodily. This this is a stand that... Uh, is sometimes separate, but is often just summoned around the user. Yeah. Uh, he likes to do that, let's say, a little more than Bruno did, but still less than uh, Seco did, you know? Yeah, yeah. When it comes out, the orbs start spinning, and I think, ah, spinning, artificial gravity. This is how he controls the gravity field. No, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> I was on the right track, you see, because spinning simulates gravity through Mm -hmm. centrifugal force. And that is what this does. However, it's just a little motorized ball that that spins up whatever you put in there. In this case, almost exclusively like nuts and bolts and bits of hardware scrap to Mm -hmm. bullet-like speeds. Yes. So he has orb guns from, from centrifugal force. Yeah. It also makes him punch better, by the way. He doesn't do much punching, except for the very start of this fight here. But I believe it's Weather Report, who knows a lot of... Who doesn't have memories, but certainly knows a lot about centrifugal force. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's just like, oh, shit, the spinning orbs let him punch with 
high precision accuracy and zero gravity or something like that. That's not true. That is not yeah. true. You Okay, you could compensate for it with practice, but just the gyroscopic force would be <laughs> really disorienting. Not for Lang Wrangler. <laughs> but yes, the, the orbs are basically always used to launch bullets made out of nuts and bolts and stuff like that. So obviously, Jolene is fucked. She's still disoriented. She doesn't know her up from her down. She has bits of of steel fired at her at hundreds of kilometers per hour. But wait, what's this? Clouds are bulletproof? <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Weatherport shows up and yeah, he he's summoned a bunch of little clouds all around him. Uh, which either deflect the bullets or catch them. Mm-hmm. Jolene, in the background, still floating, just watching this shit, thinks to herself, this guy seems really powerful. He can control the weather, but I have no, the f- no fucking clue how it works. <laughs> the cloud he summoned is probably working as an atmospheric layer. He simply reflected away our enemy's attack with that resistance. Sure. <laughs> Sure. Okay. Okay. That's some really thick air you got there. That's a real high pressure system. Weather mm-hmm. report. So, so weather report squares up. He advances. It's time for a punch off. Uh, uh, they do a punch off, but Mister Goggles doesn't want to do that. He would rather turn gravity back on. So the AC unit floating above them crashes down on weather report's head. And that that's it works really well. Yes. Yes. Right before he does that, though. When they go in for the punches at each other. Oh, God, yes. Jumping Jack Flash, like his arms are coming real close to hitting Weather Report. One of Jumping Jack Flash's arms passes through the cloud arm of Weather Report and it like dissipates. And this is when his arm bursts into flames. What do you think weather is? What do you think (laughs) weather is? And this is when. Lang Wrangler shouts, air resistance friction? (laughs) (laughs) Better turn the gravity off. Oh, shit. Air resistance friction. Like, if you have this much command of the atmosphere and temperature and all of these forces on the macro scale that create weather and are able to take such macro-level forces into the micro-scale of the five feet around you, <laughs> you're really selling it short, calling it weather. You are yeah. Really... <laughs> I, I will say, like, part six does address how absurdly powerful this stand is when, it's, when it can do shit like this <laughs> at a later point. So, okay, it stays kind of vague like this. <laughs> But in a way where it's just like, yeah, this could fucking do anything. Holy fuck. So look forward to that, I guess. So all of this triggers an abnormality alarm. Yeah, you think? (laughs) Yeah. Gates start closing. Mr. Monkey Man here is just trying to escape. They have mm-hmm. to give chase, but as he, uh, he launches himself with the the like action reaction, the Newton's yeah. second law from his wrist launchers, and somehow curves. He's really good. No, he's not. <laughs> That's impossible. Here is this his friction. Uh, <laughs> I f- I feel like this fight in particular is an extremely funny like jojo fight simply because everyone knows a lot about the weather and yeah, yeah. physics around it in a way that's very fun like just immediately jumps into your mind your arm just bursts into flame for no reason 
irresistible friction. The, the next episode in particular, we find out one thing that Weather Report is a big nerd about. <laughs> oh, yes. Yep. So uh, they, they figured out that the way the stand works is, yes, Jolene has been weightless ever since she got spit on. Mm-hmm. And that is transferable. Anything she touches also becomes weightless. Mm-hmm. And Weather Report is like, let me grab your shoulder. Now I am weightless too. And I will use my command of the wind to fucking fly at supersonic speed. Hell yes. It's and so is, good. <laughs> it's really fucking cool. And this is also how they're able to, uh, due to the abnormality alarm, like, yeah, the, the hallway they're in, there are gates closing at every threshold. And this is how they're able to beat it out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, and uh, get locked into a very large... Um, uh, a great big factory room turbine room or something yeah. uh it looks very similar but is distinct from the place where jolene had her dream fight <laughs> yes yes yep uh but yeah now they're locked in here mm-hmm. and the and great big a- too big continued uh uh cliffhanger is where's the guy though where where he at yeah uh so that takes us to operation savage guardian head to the courtyard too with all the same uh, parentheses and etc., of course. Oh, yeah. And this episode recaps, you know, the phone call, the introduction of Weather Report, and that, that final exchange of the fight that brought us to here, and then the OP plays. And instead of following that action, instead we cut away to the security room, which has giant blue map screens everywhere. It's got banks of monitors. Yeah. Uh, th- there are control consoles that look like uh, air traffic control tower. Uh-huh. And who should be there supervising but Father Pucci? All right. This, this <laughs> and that, like, all the people and all the prison workers in this room are very familiar with him. And mm-hmm. you could tell that it's just because they respect him. It's not from any official position, but they act like he's their boss. Yes, yes. But more just because out of respect for him mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. more than anything. He gets everything he wants from anybody, but just because he's such a swell guy, you know? Yeah, when when you see Father Pucci interacting with these guys, he's very polite and, like, not menacing. Like, Father Pucci doesn't know anything about what's happening quite yet. He He's very suspicious of why an abnormality alarm got triggered, mm-hmm. and the guards are all trying to say, look, it's just got to be, you know, some, like, no one's escaped from this prison in 20 years. Don't worry. Nothing bad's happening. It's probably just some freak thing that triggered the alarm. I mean, technically it was. Something in the uh, machine shop fell over or something. I, we'll check yeah. it out, but don't sweat it. And this is when Father Pucci notices uh, on a separate monitor that just kind of is just a, a list like a, of all the outgoing calls that were made mm-hmm. uh, from the, the phones. And he notices, hey, somebody called the Speedwagon Foundation. Seven minutes ago. Call? Seven minutes ago. Everything that's seven happened has taken minutes. seven minutes. <laughs> uh, uh, so th- the way he asks, though, he calls uh, spying on people's recorded uh, uh, outgoing phone calls his, quote, usual ask. Mm-hmm. That's, that's creepy. That's not your job. That's not yeah. your job. And everyone else in the office here is just like, okay. Yeah, all right. All right. <laughs> and so now we switch back to uh, the room that Jolene and Weather Report 
are mm-hmm. in. There's a really nice looking animation of Jolene in Zero G getting her coat off. Yeah. It's like animated <laughs> on the ones. It looks fantastic. And everything her, in like, here, everything in here is floating around, bobbing, totally weightless. Jolene has been touching a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, on top of trying to figure out where the weird little guy is, uh, they notice, hey, there's a big set of double doors on the other end of this room that we need to go through that leads to the courtyard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, also, ah, shit, weather report, I got a piss. Yeah, she starts doing an, an airborne potty dance and also dances around the words. It takes a while for her to, like, hint and nudge, m- much like her introductory masturbation scene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this is when re- weather report goes... I already pissed. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, before that, he he leans in like he's really close to her face, and he's just like, like verbatim says, "Do you need to piss?" <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe just go and use that to like launch across the room. <laughs> yeah, just just a little bit of reaction mass, so to speak. And this is when, uh, yeah, this is when Weather Report fucking nerds out. And he doesn't stop doing it for the rest of the episode. But boy, what a what a square to start with. Yeah, because Weather Report goes, you should probably piss over there like I did just now. There's my piss floating in the air right there. I'm pointing at it. <laughs> Anyways, did you know that when you're in z- zero gravity, the blood in your body will suddenly collect at your head? That blood is usually down in the lower parts of the body because of gravity. <laughs> Between your skin and bones is flesh that's squishy and swollen with blood. It's called moon face. I'm going to poke your forehead now. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, he talks about how weightlessness and like the the triggered by the uh, redistribution of blood and fluid in the body has a diuretic effect as the, the body tries to like clear out your excess puffiness, I guess. And like. What he's saying is roughly accurate, including the mechanism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is extremely Iraqi read a bunch about what yes, happens when yes. a person's in zero gravity and wanted to factor all of it into the battle. And focused on the weird shit, because it doesn't happen <laughs> this fast. It does not happen this fast. Well, time, JoJo time is different. It's been seven minutes. <laughs> it's, it's been fast less and than slow. seven minutes. And then Jolene's just like, well, I don't want my piss floating around in the air. And then Weather Report goes, it's okay. My clouds will just take a little sippy <laughs> of piss. <laughs> yum, yum. <laughs> so yeah, this is where the clouds come from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we get to watch Jolene's pee stream. <laughs> Again. They don't fucking do this in Naruto, all right? They don't. No, they, they don't. don't. <laughs> JoJo's a different build. <laughs> this is the still a weekly shonen motherfucking jump. <laughs> so her pee stream goes up above her head through a crack in the wall, and it is followed by her blood. She needs a doctor badly. Yeah. Is this there is... a urologist in the prison? Please, God. Is there someone with a stand that's a urologist? Anything. But yeah, everything is just getting sucked through this uh, uh, crack in the wall at super supersonic speed. It's like the end of, of uh, Alien Resurrection, which is yes. to say it's not good. It's very bad. <laughs> for anyone involved. 
Yeah, because suddenly, like, blood is just flowing from Jolene's nose. Blood is flowing from weather report, from his wounds, from having an AC drop in his fucking skull. Mm -hmm. Uh, A bunch of junk is being pulled out with the air flying at them, which mm -hmm. opens, like, a gash on on Jojo's arm. More blood's coming from that, then. Mm -hmm. And so, like... Okay, we got some good science. It's time for some bad science. Mm-hmm. So the air is weightless because the whole room is weightless. By now, Jojo has touched the, the walls, the ceiling, the floor, uh, uh, granting this entire great big room weightlessness, including the air within. Mm-hmm. And since it's weightless, that means no air. The air goes away. That's not how it works. It's not <laughs> how it works. You're thinking of space environments decompressing. Mm-hmm. Because there's an opening to vacuum. The pressure differential is what... There's still one atmosphere of atmosphere on the outside as well as on yep. the inside. Nothing would happen. Like, I guess yeah. convection currents might get messed up, I guess. Mm. But that's not what we're talking about here. <laughs> but it's time for Weather Report to get real close to Jolene's face again and talk about science that he thinks he knows. I'm I'm guessing that he is a native of the region. I have I have to assume everyone who grows up around C- uh, Cape Kennedy is a big space nerd. Yeah, yeah, it would make sense. So yes, the 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 it is as if now there is a vacuum mm-hmm. that is causing all of the air to rush out, mm-hmm. which is also pulling like their blood out, and so all these cracks and little openings in the walls they are trying now desperately to block them all with anything that's floating their way to try and keep the air in and at the same time they're they're being shot at with nuts and bolts from across the room yeah yeah i i like the wide shot where you see like all these gaps are being like plugged up by blankets which are being held in place by larger bits of junk Mm -hmm. and so then the goggle man starts shooting at those to reopen the holes (laughs) yeah and weather reports like, hey, this fucking sucks. We got to hide somehow. We we got to be able to breathe. Like a big wisp of clouds comes out. Some of it is wrapping around Jolene's mouth and nose. Mm-hmm. And this is when they're they're able to hide away under some machinery. And weather report yeah. has used the clouds uh-huh. to grab any remaining air that is around them and trap it around them. By making little cloud-like astronaut suits. <laughs> Spaceman suits. This is very, like, like picture book children's fantasy, and I dig mm-hmm. it. <laughs> it's I, cool. I also like that he went to the trouble of personalizing each spacesuit for both yes. of them. Because Jolene's has her little uh, butterfly heart over her chest, and... Yeah. Uh, uh, there, there are little details of the cutouts in Weather Report's jumpsuit where those yep. would be, but on his spacesuit. Yeah. Because he's got a brand to maintain, all right? He really does. He's already given up the quiet talking thing from here on out. He, he might as well keep his embroidery. It's it, the, the quiet talk rule. He will break in life or death situations, I suppose. So they got about two minutes of air left uh, uh, by collecting all of the air in the room that had not escaped yet. Mm-hmm. And they spot a conspicuously weighty area on the far side of this large, large industrial room. Yeah, there's some barrels and like a clothes hamper that's just on the ground still. Sitting on the ground, amazingly. Acting like you might expect objects to. Mm -hmm. So they theorize, uh, uh, theory part one, 
there is a range to the the weightless zone. If we get far enough away from the stand, there will be a, a mass and weight and gravity. Theory part two, there's still air in that part of the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, how's how is the weird Bart Simpson man gonna breathe in here? He don't got a cloud suit like we do. So weather report leaps to safety, trying to get outside the the radius of effect, and Jolene is there to cover him. There's also a little bit here because like right before they got the cloud suits on, like some more bolts were shot at them, and you could see that it cut open like a gash across one of Jolene's arms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and right before it's time to like cover weather report as he makes a break for it you see that she uses a little bit of her stands thread to just like suture that wound close like mega fast yes yes it's very good yeah weather report is trying to make it across this this large room and that's when ah shit here comes some more bolts Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. jolene is like leaping towards uh those bolts to intercept them punch them out of the way and also push weather report further towards the other side of the room one bolt gets deflected in a bad way and punctures a hole in Weather Report's suit, like on his leg. So I, and, I guess we can say he has been screwed because he's oh yeah. launching sharp screws. But practice makes perfect. Jolene is getting better at blocking these these mm-hmm. shots until Mr. Goggles decides to get tricky. Ah ha ha! And instead, mm-hmm. shoot uh, uh, the barrels in the Weather Report's destination to ricochet back at him. Uh, totally bypassing Stone Free. Ah. Yeah. Or so he thinks, because then Stone Free does a rocket punch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or so she thinks, because, oh, shit. because Mr. Goggles did JoJo's trick. There's a lot of JoJo tri- JoJo's tricks right, one right after another. Or maybe they an do a- inverse JoJo's trick? Because yeah. what looked like missing to hit, bouncing off of the uh, uh, barrels in order to hit Weather Report, was actually just hitting. He meant to hit the barrels. <laughs> yes. He meant to puncture them so that they would be launched uh, with the air inside them escaping, like like a, a balloon that you let go the tail of, uh, mm. in order to slam into Weather Report and knock him back into the danger zone, away from the edge of the not danger zone. <laughs> And, like, Jolene has been, like, floating the same space for a while, blocking these bolts, because she's got, like, she shot out, like, enough tether, enough thread that it became, like, a rope that she was, like, an anchor for her so that she could stay in one spot. Mm-hmm. And she, like, unravels that so she goes flying towards a weather report so that she can hit him and knock him back towards the safe zone. <laughs> she puts a hole in her suit for thrust, just like the Martian. Everybody loves mm-hmm. it. But of course, Goggles is prepared for that as well, because he (laughs) centrifuge launches not more bits of hardware, but a pair of live rats. (laughs) A pair of live rats were not live for long because, again, they are in total vacuum. Their blood will boil. This has been a bigger threat than suffocation, uh, especially once, you know, Weather Report uh, explains it. Like, the the total lack of pressure on the body will cause the blood to boil, and these rats explode, and their gooey bits cover up uh, Jolene's visor, blinding her. Yes. And by the way, like, this whole time, we're also seeing uh, Weather Report getting closer and closer, just having his blood boil, and so his face is swelling up and getting really disgusting looking. Yes, yes. 
So this is when Jolene is at her most vulnerable. Of course, she's she's weightless, she's disoriented, she's blinded, and so just a huge, huge volley of uh, uh, centrifuge shots straight to the face. She's impacted like dozens of times, gets one right between the eyes again, mm-hmm. but much like the previous time, or was she? <laughs> <gasps> yeah. Because this, this man, this, this Lang Wrangler... <laughs> Mm-hmm. looks down and sees strings coming out of the holes in his wrist launchers. Strings like, yeah, that like ex- the... go all the way to Jolene's body, where every last uh, uh, improvised bullet has been tied up and held just short of impacting her body. Yeah, very similar to uh, when she had her thread go into the, the bullet of uh, the guy with the gun. You know, the, the gun guy, John Gallier. John Gallier, thank you. John John Gunley, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> John Gunley. Again, that's that's our American remake. That's our Hollywood name. <laughs> yes, John yes. Gunley. Yeah, similar to that, where she just had tons of threads going into the thing, shooting bullets at her to stop the bullets. But because uh, it's his wrist, you get the added effect of, like, he looks like he's uh, strung up like a marionette. Like, yeah. he is within Jolene's control now. <laughs> Yeah, so she just starts, like, pulling all the the string in and therefore pulling him into the no-gravity zone. Aw, shit, his blood immediately starts to boil. Because he's not in a pressurized suit, even though Jolene's is not that pressurized anymore. Like, this part of the fight from here on out is now just, we're both going to have our blood boil, but who will boil first? (laughs) You know what comes first? Flashbacks. Yep. Uh, there's also a bit like when he, when this guy first gets pulled in, you get like a really close up shot of like his eyes as they start to like bulge out of his head a bit from, you know, the, the vacuum he has been pulled into Mm -hmm. and the threads, the thick bands of thread from his cap that go over his eyes get torn apart because of his eyes bulging out through them. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Gross. It's very gross. So as, as a younger man. Uh, mm-hmm. This, again, as yet unnamed in the episode, uh, Assassin, was, was a college boy, and he killed his, uh, he stabbed his chemistry professor. He's not actually a very nice boy. Mm-hmm. However, we see that he did wear the same outfit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just his fashion style. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like every other prisoner in this prison, I guess you're allowed to wear all your regular clothes. Imagine. You just got to say, you know, Green Street, Green Dolphin Prison on the back. Yeah. Imagine going to college and this is one of your classmates. (laughs) I hope he at least wore shoes back then. Oh, no. No, he just walks around barefoot. You can just hear the sound of his suction cup toes with every step he takes. Oh man, I hate Gross. the guy who would show up to class barefoot. <laughs> While we're talking about him and his look, we should mention, I believe this is the first human character to be CG animated in JoJo's. Yeah, for the most part, like the only other instance I can think of is the really far shots of the vampire horse race from part 2. Mm-hmm. Those shots had CG models of them, but they weren't really animated they were just there but i guess what one way they try to communicate like this dude is so natural in this environment 
is that he is like CG animated and in control and just like set apart from everyone else who is stumbling and scrabbling. Mm. I also think maybe for practical reasons, it helps them get the the weight and momentum of his dangly shoes tied to his ankles yep. a, a lot better uh, because it, it really is in like his full body floating shots where, where they switch to that model. Yeah. Yes, with that flashback of him remembering when he he stabbed his college professor 69 times. Not nice. Uh, Not nice. nice. Very bad. He pulls out a glass bottle that he had stored in one of his shoes. Uh Uh-huh. So he's remembering, like, the thrill of the the kill and how this fight is making him remember that. And he's not going to go down without a fight. He... Adds peroxide to uh-huh. manganese dioxide in yes. this bottle. A chemical reaction occurs, and oxygen is produced exactly like the oxygen in this bottle. It keeps on spewing outwards, and he... Oh, my God. Now, this reaction is real. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if you uh, combine these chemicals, the... the uh... The manganese dioxide acts as a catalyst, and the mm. hydrogen peroxide splits apart into water and uh, molecules of oxygen, O2. Yeah. It, it, there you go. I yep. don't, I mean, I've never done it before in a sealed container, so I don't know if the pressure builds up to the point it explodes. Yeah, it, he throws this, and it turns into like a, a glass shrapnel grenade. Like, it, it might. Uh, don't try this at home, <laughs> kids, but no. I, I don't know. And so, like, all the the explosion of this bottle, like all the glass being shot towards Jolene, like completely shreds apart her cloud suit. She gets extra wounds and stuff, cuts all over her, and so now she's going to boil first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But wait, uh, weather report donates his cloud suit and yes. transfers it over to Jolene, sacrificing himself. Mm-hmm. So that she can live to to kick ass another day. Unlike our friends, the rats, those poor rats. <laughs> like, it's just really funny to hear a villain who's in a vacuum and is whose blood should have boiled already by now. Yes. Thinks, I'm at my limit. Like, you have some <laughs> sort of resistance against being in a vacuum. <laughs> I'm trained to be in a vacuum for X amount of time. So he decides, okay, there's nothing else I can do to save myself but turn the gravity back on, let air rush back in here. And as he does that, the the air pressure coming in just propels Jolene at him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she just fucks him up. Just a big old punch rush. Uh, he, he's trying to ride this wind to safety, but instead he gets pummeled the entire way back down to the ground. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he does say something about, I think to the effect of like pissing on her grave, because we yes. got everybody's a literal potty mouth in this episode, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, his his whole like total recall, make your eyes bulge out until you die plan did not work. <laughs> that's that's not the way. It's just like really bad decompression sickness. You you want to yeah. see uh, how fucked up your body can get in in hard vacuum? There's mm-hmm. a great episode of The Expanse, season five. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, Naomi, God. Love it. But in any case, Jolene emerges from her second cloud suit, which looks so fucking cool. It does. Yeah, the shot of her, the the pose she's striking in her second cloud suit, like there is a bright, like godly light behind her. So she's just in silhouette. Yes. While Stone Free is, again, literally 
pounding this dude into pavement. This is a cement floored yeah. room. But oh my <laughs> god, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, it's it's dope. All and I ask get... is for every episode to give me one incredibly badass Jolene pose. Mm-hmm. And the, the final punch launches this dude into the clothes hamper. Mm-hmm. Just, his, just his little feet dangling out of it. His little disgusting feet. So Jolene has saved Weather Report. He's fine. Just very bloody. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. She's gotten the disc back. Yes. Uh, in a stylish way. Just falls directly into her hands. Great catch. And once again, Weather Report gives her some directions on how to get to the courtyard from here. <laughs> yeah. The main problem, though, is, hey, we have these big double doors we need to get through, and they're locked, and you have to have some type of, like, worker ID card to get in there. But, so hey, it's a good thing Lang Wrangler has a job in the prison, so we just steal his card, and we scan it, and, oh, there's a guard in there, let's kick his ass. Yeah. Jolene has Weather Report go and hide because, hey, anyone seeing that there's two people here is probably going to be suspicious. And also, you're covered in more blood than I am, mm-hmm. so go hide. <laughs> so so they enact this plan. Like, Jolene has decided that any punishment that comes from any of, you know, the fighting, any, like, using someone else's ID, beating up anyone between here and the courtyard, it's worth it to get this disc out. So you mm-hmm. scan, beepity-beep. Uh, the intercom starts talking. The door opens. Wait a minute. That's not a guard. That's Father Poochie, says oh, we, the audience. But Jolene's like, I haven't met you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when the doors slowly open, Poochie doesn't know anyone you know, else is here. And, well, he thinks someone is there, but he doesn't know it's anyone important. So he's immediately thinking, oh, it's Lang Wrangler. And so he goes, Lang Wrangler, is that you? I have something important to talk to you about. <laughs> And the end of the episode is him making eye contact with Jolene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that brings us to episode 12, Torrential Downpour Warning. And we start with this doorway meeting, of course. Poochie knows exactly what has happened. Uh, the, the person in front of him is the lady he sent an assassin after when he expected to, to see the assassin. It's mm-hmm. not hard to figure out. <laughs> Also, Weather Report recognizes him not as an enemy, of course, but as the prison chaplain. You know, that guy that works and lives here. Mm-hmm. Poochie immediately goes to, like, flip the switch to close these doors again. And Jolene, just thinking this is a normal dude, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, is, like, begging for help. And also thinking to herself, should I knock this dude out? <laughs> Hitting a priest is nothing. <laughs> If it's to bring my old man back to life, yep, hitting a priest is nothing. <laughs> yeah. But it's not plan A, you know? It's mm-hmm. still, like, he's, he's a man of the cloth. They're always talking about mercy, right? May- maybe if I just ask real nice. Yeah. So she tells a stand-free version of the truth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she, she was assaulted by the guy whose ID she has, but she really needs to get outside right fucking now. And she uh, asked to be uh, uh, let through before she is punished for rule of breaking. Go ahead and report me, but but let me get to the courtyard first for just a minute. Just a minute. You know, Pushy's trying to play the game as safe as he can. And he you know, is asking, is anyone else in here with you? And, you know, Jolene just lies. Nope, just me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Pucci says, hey, OK, in most cases, I would say no to this. And when someone does something for others, they expect to re- receive some sort of reward in return. To be kind to others, they expect that same kindness. 
but but there are some special people who really do uh, uh, nice things with no expectation, and you know who's got their back? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, the reward of going to heaven. So so he lets her through with with a little speech that makes it sound like I you you're going to the courtyard, I'm going to heaven. How do you like them apples? <laughs> yeah. But then he thinks to himself, the real reason, the real reason is stopping her would probably mean a stand fight, which would mean revealing that my stand is White Snake to any hidden allies she lied about inside this great big room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, ah. Yeah, so he just has to let her go. Uh, and so Jolene goes through the gate. She gets to the courtyard, and there is a dude waiting there. In, in a common like, rider scarf. Hell yeah. Blowing in the wind. Yep. Uh, with his back facing towards her, and she thinks, oh man, this guy has to be Savage Guardian. That's this just, like, is the guy. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's not, though. It's a guard with a gun. And he just blasts. He just double taps Jolene yeah. in the gut, like point blank almost with this gun. He asks for her hall pass and then shoots her twice in the gut without waiting to, to receive it. Yeah, yeah. And this is when we see after he turns around, uh, he's got a dick. Uh, a dick? Whoa. He's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably like playing the odds. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> he has a disc sticking out of the back of his head. <laughs> Not just and, slotted in the back of his head. His head looks like Pac-Man wide open for a power pellet, and there's a yeah. disc in the wedge. Yeah, and this is when we, we see uh, Father Pucci do a little smirk because he planned ahead of time for this and just threw a disc into this guy's this guard's head to control him and mm-hmm. just shoot Jolene when she got out there. Starplatinum.exe clatters to the ground. Mm-hmm. And we get, surprising to me... An OP with the sound effects in it. There's a lot yep. of fun little whooshy twangy string noises. Mm-hmm. And after we get uh, out of the OP, we get a flashback with Poochie. In the year 1988, yeah. Poochie met a very important man that completely changed his life. A man from Egypt. God damn with the it, the power Dio. to stop time himself. Get the fuck out of here. Go away. And so we get full on... New scenes with Dio. <laughs> God. Okay. All right. I didn't. I didn't prepare this, uh-huh. but and I'm sure we're gonna learn more because now it's all tied up in Dio. But the the Dio timeline, he get his trunk gets uh, dredged from the bottom of the ocean. He <laughs> makes friends with an Enya. He makes let's say friends with Jorno's mom. Yes. Through Enya, he acquires a number of uh, uh, stand-creating arrows and gets a stand for himself and a lot of trusted people. One mm-hmm. of those people is, is Mr. Nijimura. Yes. For some reason. Uh, <laughs> and, and he sends some people out, in, including to be Polaroidified Ghost Dad to go make more stand users. Mm-hmm. All the while, all the while, somehow also being in hiding. He does spook Abdul pretty good. Uh, Abdul, yes. pretty good. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I went to his namesake, not his actual name. <laughs> uh-huh. What a busy man. And then, and then in the middle of it all, he just hangs out in Florida for a while in giant platform heel elf shoes. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is a new addition to the classic Dio uh, costume. Chunky platform heels in his elf shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Dio went to Florida. <laughs> so he's drinking wine with a 16-year-old Poochie. Uh-huh. <laughs> Instead of, you know, drinking Poochie, he's a vampire. Uh, if if you'll notice, this is the same label as the bottle that uh, Zappelli had in episode four. Oh, shit. In the Jack the Ripper fight. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good. I didn't notice that. But yeah, Teenage Poochie is hanging out as an aspiring seminarian, and he is having uh, some of... He's having a perspective on faith given to him by an immortal vampire. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, oh, God. So, so Dio's talking about... He's talking about heaven. Mm-hmm. The, the heaven he's talking about is spiritual heaven... Like, when your spirit evolves, so too does your power. Where the spirit ends up is what Dio's really interested in. And I think he's talking about stands. Yeah. Right? And I don't think Poochie knows he's talking about stands. Mm-hmm. But he will probably figure it out in the intervening 22 years. <laughs> yeah. Because Dio here is talking about, like, hey, even being completely immortal and all that doesn't get you true happiness and all that Uh, Mm -hmm. the true winner is the one who gets to witness heaven i love that at some point he's like i mean i i assume that Mm -hmm. any teenage boy who's looking to going into the seminary believes in christian dogma right i I think that's a pretty safe assumption Mm -hmm. and and at one point dio starts straying a little far beyond those bonds even in his like coded stand talk and he's like hey don't look at me that way i'm just talking about the human mind (laughs) yeah come on kid why are you busting my chops here come on i could eat you old boy i could eat you so easy (laughs) (laughs) uh and so dio states that he he wants to be the one to witness heaven so as a further goal Mm -hmm. beyond what his goal was in stardust crusaders he wants to obtain you know, just some godly status of power, basically. I, I just love moments where Dio's here like, you know, true happiness isn't total domination of humanity. But, in, but you know, he's thinking, I'm still going to do it, though. Like, I'm, I'm going to do gonna it, do though. I'm still going to do it. It's nice. It's good. <laughs> it does, like it doesn't it. mean I don't want to. I just know there's, there's something else as well. Yeah. It's simply just a stepping stone. <laughs> And and so Poochie's just like, okay, Dio, how are you gonna do that? And Dio just says, oh, so uh, I wrote all about how to actually do this in a book. You mm-hmm. should probably come visit me in Egypt someday, and I'll tell you all about it. Come and read my special book. We can talk about how to achieve heaven together. <laughs> but nobody has that book. That book is is gone. That book has yeah. been burned. You know who burned it? Jotaro Kucho. <laughs> yep. We're getting like a just barely post Stardust Crusaders scene, yeah, of Jotaro finding a book that Dio wrote and went fuck that and just burning it <laughs> in the room he found it. <laughs> I, I guess this is after the body uh, turns to dust in the sun, but before yeah. they take the plane ride home. We're, we're inserting the scene yep. there. Again, we, we have teenage Jotaro drawn in the, the new, like, part six animation style. So he mm-hmm. looks teenage for one. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't only burn the book. 
He didn't only get Regina George's burn book. No, he read it. Yeah. Got to read it to know that you got to burn it. So the only repository of this hidden knowledge is the mind and memory of Jotaro Kujo. A memory mm-hmm. that has been stolen and put on Poochie's favorite mixtape. <laughs> and that's what this whole, whole plan was. Like, John Gallier, sure, he wanted to just kill Joe Stars for, for killing Joe Stars' sake. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. <laughs> we gotta put that on the great Dio timeline. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Meeting this even younger child. Dio, what are you doing? <laughs> But Pucci had a grander plan. He he was only after Jotaro for this particular memory to, to read his, his mind of him reading a book. Yep. And 22 years later, that plan has borne fruit. Got them goop discs. Got the goopy, goopy discs. The goopy disc. Pucci is, is closer to realizing whatever it is Dio was going to do. Pucci just thinks, all right, this is all taken care of now because Jolene has just been shot dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then meanwhile, we see Weather Report, who's hiding behind some metal barrels, bleeding to death, going, what the fuck just happened? Uh-oh. Hey, Weather Report knows that something's up, something is trouble, but he doesn't piece together what I think might be a very significant clue. You heard gunshots, which means the prison chaplain over there also heard gunshots. How do you think he's reacting? Does it look like he's yeah. calling for help? Doesn't look like it to me. Mm-mm. What do you think this might mean, Weather Report? Hmm. It's He lost a lot of blood. He's not all there right now. It's true. He's thinking too much about the scientific uh, theorem of piss and zero gravity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, He's really upset that uh, uh, he didn't have to talk about radiation shielding because it's only weightlessness, not actual space <laughs> that they went to. Yeah. Weather Report just shouts Jolene's name. As he tries to get up to do anything to help, uh, but Poochie just closes those those metal doors, mm-hmm. uh, and Poochie just thinks, "Well, time to go back to the chapel." Yeah, done and dusted. He trusts his plan. He pieces out. He's he's safe. He's good. Uh, mm-hmm. Out in the yard, this uh, brainwashed scarf guard knows two very important things. He knows he has to kill Jolene. He knows he has to grab that disc. He doesn't know why. He doesn't know yeah. for who. So he's not terribly motivated. He's going to do it. He's got to do it. But he's not in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's just spending a lot of time trying to think, why? Huh? What? Why? Yeah, eventually he just thinks, well, I guess it doesn't matter too much. This is what I got to do, so I got to do it. And meanwhile, Weather Report is trying to find a way to help, even though he can barely move. Mm-hmm. He's bleeding all over the place. You see Weather Report raise a hand, and as it cut, we cut back to Scarfguard. I love Stellan Scarfguard. Oh, he's doing <laughs> incredible work on Andor. <laughs> uh, but does Andor have frogs falling from the sky? Maybe the finale. We're recording this before it airs. <laughs> mm, right, right. Uh, but yeah, as this guard goes to pull the trigger, his hand gets hit by something, which causes him to just barely miss Jolene, and he shoots the ground. And right it's a widow froggy. There's a, there's a little frog on his hand. What's going on here? It's a it's a juicy frog too. There's mm-hmm. and then uh, several more frogs fall from the sky and hit him in the face. Dozens of frogs, hundreds of frogs. What's that? Is that Giorno's music? No, it is not. It is definitely not. This is something else. <laughs> <laughs> it's weather report. Because frogs are weather. Just ask the Pharaoh. <laughs> 
this is very clearly inspired by events Araki read about when he was just Googling weather. Excuse me, unusual weather. <laughs> unusual weather. <laughs> so the narrator pops in here. Mm-hmm. He, he comes out of his cave, yes. Between the years of 1887 and 1974, in the state of Florida alone, there were more than 50 reported cases of fish, frogs, snakes, and sheep falling from the sheep. sky in unbelievable numbers. Imagine sheep falling from the sky in unbelievable numbers. Yeah. In a sheep's case, one would be an unbelievable number. Now, I don't know about sheep, but frogs and, and very small animals, I have heard about this happening. And yes, it's them being picked up by a tornado and tossed into the sky, basically. I, I love that the narrator's tone of voice implies that that's not really like proven. It's it's a leading hypothesis. Tornadoes yeah. might be involved. It's, it's tornadoes. That's what it is. It's tornadoes. Yeah. So yes, Weather Report has picked up frogs from somewhere with the weather and has tossed them into the sky and made them rain down on this single guard. Stone Free is standing vigil over Jolene to protect her, but the, the scarf guard is just swelling up in poison boils all over his body. Yep. Because the frogs are raining so heavy, so many, that like we, we catch up with Poochie in uh, the hallway. Mm-hmm. And the frogs are pelting the skylight above and break it, raining around him, and he's trapped in the corner. <laughs> and this startles him to the point that he, like, drops his own scanny ID badge, and it's covered in poison frogs. Yep, and, like, they're, the, the frogs are landing with such force that, like, all their poison juice is just, like, sk squirting everywhere. And Father Pucci very mysteriously is like, wait a minute, this is the work of Weather Report. <laughs> Yes. He was supposed to have his memory wiped. What's he doing here? Yeah, wait a minute. It's raining these poison frogs. Jolene can't move mm -hmm, very mm -hmm. much since she's got two bullets in the gut. We've hit our mid-episode, and it's one of the ones without a stand uh, uh, stat card. Yep. We're saving those two seconds. Uh-huh. Uh, Stone Free isn't just, like, punching the frogs away. Stone Free has, like, transformed from its humanoid form into a web of tightly woven thread it, it looks like her stand has become a wicker basket kind of like that yes. type of weaving yes it's stopping the frogs but the frog juice is slowly starting to leak through the thread and is threatening to drip on onto jolene's face yeah yeah through uh the weaving of this cocoon that she's made yes now you might think wait a minute uh, that's, that's not how this works. Can a, uh, poison frog be so poisonous to be deadly to the touch? Actually, yes. There mm -hmm. are poison frogs so deadly, they are deadly to the touch. However, all poison frogs come from South America. Yeah. Weather report, that's a hell of a tornado you made. That's, that, that's a lot of weather you did there. <laughs> and quite fast, too, I gotta say. All right, you know I had to check the numbers. So the furthest north, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, the furthest north that any poison frog lives in the wild is Nicaragua. The distance from northern Nicaragua to Palm Beach, Florida, where Green Dolphin Prison is meant to be, is about 1,411 kilometers. If those frogs took an hour to get from point A to point B, they would be moving faster than the speed of sound. However, it seems they take about a second. 
which would mean that these frogs are moving about 125 times the escape velocity of Earth. These are space frogs. <laughs> and Weather Report is a very, very powerful man. <laughs> so now, back to the show. Says speedy delivery of thousands or tens of thousands of frogs. So we cut back to Poochie, who is White Snake is just punching frogs away, but he's there's just more frogs coming. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And this is when Poochie thinks, okay, I gotta keep calm, gotta keep peace of mind. The screen goes black, and we start seeing little scribbled purple numbers start to appear on screen as he says these numbers out loud because he's counting all of the primes. Mm -hmm. in order to calm himself. Uh, sure, whatever works for you. I usually stick to the Fibonacci sequence or, of course, uh, the powers of two. <laughs> I, I th mm -hmm. <laughs> Instead of memorization, I like to do a function, but, you know, whatever works mm -hmm. for you. Uh, he also says, quote, it gives me courage. All right. Yeah, because cool. prime numbers are lonely numbers. Uh -huh, They're uh -huh, all by uh -huh. themselves, just like him. <laughs> Doing the powers of two, really. Uh, gives away my predilection for instead a uh, collective action and growing networks. Mm -hmm. But okay, all right. You, Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot could be said about a person by the way they count numbers to call, them, to call themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the frogs are getting closer and they're squelching their, their poison. I mean, uh, the disc of daddy's ghost is just slathered in the stuff. That's Yep. It is a goal, but it is also a landmine waiting to happen. <laughs> Poochie reacts with disgust. Quote, the filthy frogs are clinging to my $800 pants. Yes, yeah. What are they paying you in this prison? Poochie is looking at the really expensive part of the uh, the catalog. Right? For, yeah. I Does the what that Pope have $800 called. pants? Hmm. Well, if you want to attain heaven, you gotta you gotta dress for it. I guess. Anyhow, I think I think we're gonna nail this guy on tax evasion. We gotta look at his expenditures, <laughs> look at his claimed uh, uh, income, and make a case. Let's do it. Let's go. Yep. Poochie sees the uh, the the guard with the gun that shot Jolene is walking into the hallway on the other end and just saying, "Please, God, help me, Father Poochie, help me." as he is transformed into a fucked-up, swollen guy, just full of frog juice. This is another moment where JoJo's becomes straight horror. This is... Yeah, yeah. Not just the, the design of this monstrous beast that was once a man, but also that he's in absolute agony and, and confusion as he is mm -hmm. compelled to, to come and serve, and he doesn't know why, and he needs help so, so badly, and it hurts so bad, and let's... All of this stuff at once is just revolting and pitiable in a really yeah. fun mix. Mm -hmm. And so he dies, he uh, dies. in abject failure. <laughs> Can't he, do shit. Uh, he, he falls to the ground and dies after he gets hit square in the forehead with one more frog. Mm -hmm. And then uh, another guard on the other side of the gate that Poochie's trying to get through shows up and goes, what the fuck is happening? And I love this shot because it's... Uh, just a few frogs are making it through like between the 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 bars on this gate mm -hmm, mm -hmm. into the side uh the other side where this other guard is and i just love 
seeing these couple of frogs poke out in this kind of weak stream of frogs <laughs> because they're all landing in about the same spot and you can see the ragdoll physics on the frogs as each frog stacks up on top of it <laughs> each mm-hmm, on the, mm-hmm. the, the previous one. It's really funny looking. So this is the narrator voiced guard that showed Jolene to her cell and he mm. is, he's here to help uh, until he sees all of the insta poison and is like, mm, I'll get someone else to help. Mm, uh, yeah. Uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Meanwhile, Poochie is still counting and dang, there are a lot of two digit primes. You know, sometimes you forget, mm-hmm. but he, he needs this car. He needs this guard to come and open up the, the barred checkpoint that he can't get his key card to open himself and he does not have time to wait for uh, this guy to get a braver guard or, I don't know, a really long stick or something. <laughs> so instead, he's got a plan. This plan involves just place kicking a frog, launching it with lightning speed in front of this guy's uh, uh, face, throwing a disc to uh, impact it in midair, encoding on that disc instructions for the frog to simply explode. <laughs> yes. At a certain distance, which then goes off without a hitch, showering poison in the narrator-voiced guard's eyes, blinding him. Much like Newman in Jurassic Park, he (laughs) falls to his knees. Yeah. And then Poochie's like, hey, uh, you want help? I guess your best uh, chance at at getting a doctor is to come to my voice, open this door, and I will be your eyes to bring you to the doctor. Let's Mm -hmm. let's do some math here, huh? Huh? Let's go. So, yeah, the guard opens up the gate, and then Poochie gives no fucks. (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, that would have been a good plan if I went along with it. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, he has to go deal with Jolene, because now he's pretty sure she might not be dead yet. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and he's still got to secure that disc. So he just leaves that gar on the ground to deal with his fucked up poison, poison frog eyes. So, so back with Jolene, she is nearly uh, uh, passed out. Earlier, before even the frog punting and uh, the guy that shot her dying in a puddle of goo, uh, she said to herself, quote, so much just happened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I think is my favorite, just- my favorite line. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now she is buried in her cocoon and uh, she screams to burst it apart and send all of the the poison that's about to drip down on her away from herself Mm -hmm. as the sky breaks, uh, as the clouds break and the sun shines down upon her. So good. Jolene emerging from things is really that's that's a motif, like not just Mm -hmm. in these three episodes, but like. Uh, her, her doorway poses, Jolene bursting out of stuff. It keeps happening. Yeah. And also we get a really good look at just what the courtyard and the prison looks like after this. And everything is covered in frog juice. Yes. Now. It's yes. so gross. Poochie is up on like the second floor, peeking around just mm-hmm, barely, mm-hmm. barely around the corner so he can look out the window. And he's got White Snake in the courtyard walking around looking to, for the, the disc. Jolene uh, is now covered in a big pile of frogs, looking very dead. Yes, yes. Uh, which is when White Snake starts talking about Asian folk tales. Yes, I I do appreciate that. Like the guy that voices both Poochie and White Snake has different voices for them, mm-hmm. or uh, it's a matter of inflection. Like yeah, I yeah. I don't think Poochie would say McQueen. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no. 
His stand, absolutely. Yes, yes. But yeah, as White Snake is kind of brushing all these dead frogs around the ground, he finally he finds the the Star Platinum disc, picks it up, and this is when Jolene does her JoJo's trick and reveals she's alive, mm-hmm. already has a thread around that disc and is about to grab it, and she was simply disguised dead uh-huh. by uh, using thread to uh-huh. grab a bunch of frogs and making a frog net to drape over herself. Uh-huh. And these are all living frogs who survive the fall because they're not poisonous to the touch. They're poisonous when their juice squirts out. Yeah, and These yeah. ones didn't squirt their, their frog juice everywhere. So you get a bunch of them lashed together, giving you the soft, gentle touch, not the juicy touch. Yeah. And then they are a, a padded net to shield her from any future frogs that, that fall and try to Get juicy on her, mm-hmm. obviously. And this is the cover that she made in order to just wait for White Snake to grab the disc so she could pickpocket it with one of her yeah. long range strings. And so she she grabs the disc. It's flung into the air as it's zipping back towards her. And White Snake just immediately turns to Jolene, and you know she's still on the ground with two bullet wounds, and he is like inches away from his fist, just like flattening her face into the ground. This uh, this starts with a really great match shot because there's a very quick reaction shot of uh, Poochie doing a big blah, but mm. but then it's a match cut to White Snake in the same position, but but with a uh, like aggressive. Well, now I'm going to get you facial expression yes. instead. It's so good. It's really good. And just as his fist is going to uh, collide with Jolene's face. Uh, he stops when he is caught off guard and notices, hey, a little pigeon just grabbed that disc. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. There's a pigeon flying overhead whose foot is chained to a clamp, and the clamp is now holding uh, a star platinum disc version. Uh, yeah. Flying into the sky. The bird is Savage Garden. Yes. And has been here the whole time, weaving through the frogs like a Manhattan transfer through sp- uh, sprinkler drops. <laughs> and White Snake rushes over to the gun dropped by uh, the, the scarf guard, uh, picks it up, uh, draws a bead on the pigeon, tr- fires, except he doesn't because it's empty. All those bullets yep. went toward Jolene, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so she simply, on like the edge of death three ways, says, I won. And it's so yeah. fucking good. <laughs> yeah. And this is what, like, White Snake is pissed off. And he just says to Jolene, like, like really pissed off, like, crouched. No, you her. didn't. Uh. Yeah. And then he says, uh, well,. The game's over, bitch, because I'm going to fuck your face up so bad your dad will never recognize you again. So what else is new? <laughs> yeah. That's not a well, change. Also, even if that happened, you got y- your your uh, uncle, Josuke, can fix her face. <laughs> Just go to Japan again. Uh-huh. He can make her face better if she wants. Josuke gives yeah. nose jobs to people unasked all the time. It's kind uh-huh. of rude. <laughs> uh, but before White Snake can attack, a whole bunch of people are running into the hallway where Poochie is and going, "What the fuck are all these frogs doing?" 
Uh, so there's just enough commotion for yeah. uh, uh, the very cautious Poochie to be like, okay, no one's finding out any secrets about me. Stand go bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So Whitesnake runs away, but there's a string tied to its ankle. Ah. Uh-huh. And Poochie says to himself that uh, it is finally time. He's finally in a position where he can, av- quote, avenge the death of my best friend. Best friend? Damn. If you buy wine for a 16-year-old, they will do anything for you. Even after you're gone and dead, <laughs> you, they don't owe you anything. Like, <laughs> But but Poochie stays unseen. Uh, uh, White Snake karate chops the, the thread on its ankle. Uh, Jolene finally does succumb to unconsciousness after mm-hmm. after all of that. Uh, and this is when we, we see the rest of the cast. Uh, kind of seeing all the shit that has gone down. Foo Fighters just like runs up to Ermus and tells her the news as mm. they know it, at least, which it probably involves. There's a lot of frogs. There's a lot of frogs. <laughs> uh, and this is when the narrator kind of comes in again, just saying like, well, to everyone else, the chaos was basically unexplained for the rest of history. Nobody knows why these frogs rain down today. Emporio is watching the stretcher roll Jolene to the infirmary. As the narrator continues, quote, Jolene's attempt at an escape goes unquestioned. (laughs) Yes, too much weird shit happened. (laughs) Sometimes things are so weird, you can get away with breaking the rules. No one wants to spend time on it. Uh, And we end here with just... The narrator confirming that, yes, the Speedwagon Foundation retrieved the Star Platinum disc, but it's still not enough. We, we You got to get the brain disc back mm-hmm. for Jotaro to come back. They, they tried to use it to summon something in Monster Rancher. <laughs> the PlayStation exploded. <laughs> A giant fist emerged from the PlayStation and destroyed it. <laughs> And so, uh, as Jolene is, is carted off to, to heal from her gunshots, her boiling blood... Her other uh, more superficial wounds, uh, uh, the effects of depressurization, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> light to moderate, uh, topical poison. Uh, we, we get the uh, uh, end credits. Duffy is singing at us at the beach. But then mm-hmm. there's a post credit scene because, again, this is the last episode of The Batch. They had to give you something to go out on, something to, to entice the, the viewer yep. to, to sit tight for what turned out to be nine calendar months. Nine months! And uh, this scene starts with, you know, stained glass windows barely illuminating this dark, dark room. And White Snake is asking a man he calls Sports Maximum. Sports Maximum! About a bone. Yeah, he wants sp- Sports Maximum. Hell yes. What a name. Originally Sports Max, of course. We'll talk more about that when he's a real character. I don't want to spend time on it right now. Uh, He's asking Sports Maximum to use his special abilities to uh, investigate this bone he's got. Sports Maximum's just like, whose bone is it? Looks like a human bone. Also, Poochie is talking to Sports Maximum with White Snake. He is Mm -hmm, hidden mm -hmm. behind a column. He never shows himself. If you're going up to your bro and say, with your abilities, there's something I would like to try... Mm-hmm. That's one way to talk about boning down, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, who? What bone is this bone? T- tell me yeah. the secret of this bone. White Snake tells you know Sparse Maxim like it's none of your co- concern who this bone is from. But Poochie thinks to himself, this bone is from my dear friend Dio. Now I got questions about this bone. Uh huh. Because over the course of his life, Dio has had a lot of bones. 
Yeah. Is this original flavor or Egyptian extra crispy? I, I would think probably Egyptian extra crispy. <laughs> well, then odds are, unless or, it's the fucking skull, this is a Jonathan bone. <laughs> this is probably a Jonathan Joestar bone. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the reason I thought, yeah, it's from the body he karate chopped his own goddamn head off of. I thought this is <laughs> England Dio bone. Yeah. I mean, may, that would be a hell of a find. Finding it's that somewhere. It's, it's somewhere. somewhere, yeah. It's true, it's true. Maybe Dio, who would have known where he chopped his own goddamn head oh, off of his own yes, body, yes, went yes. with all of his time he had... Very busy, Matt. Like, he, okay, he, he had up, a layover in Heathrow. Yeah. On his way to Florida. <laughs> yeah, and he, he picked up his old body for safekeeping. Maybe mm-hmm. he would want it for something. By then, probably just bones, you know? And he gave a bone to the 16-year-old boy he was grooming as a, as a, as a souvenir. I saw those flashbacks. He's already very well-groomed. He had the forehead hairlines mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. His look was set, locked in from youth. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's the end of what I had to go on for nine fucking months, which is why I read ahead eventually. <laughs> it is a third of the runtime, right? Mm-hmm. It's a natural breaking space mathematically. Mm-hmm. Th- there's a big uh, uh, victory at the end as well as a yeah. turning point, like this really puts down in stone Jolene's goal. Everything she's doing is to save Jotaro's life. Does he deserve it? What has he done to, to get this devotion from his estranged daughter? These are open mm. questions, but it's not about escape. She could escape anytime. I absolutely believe that. Oh, yeah. No, it is about uh, uh, saving. Jo- it's not even about bringing down Whitesnake, except as a means to an end of saving Jotaro. And uh, that that is something that this arc really makes, like, uh, uh, unquestionable. Yeah. So th- there are elements of a mid-season break to it, but it's not the big twist that, like, gets people, like, on the edge of their seat. Yeah. If you were planning for a big break to be here, you would want a Jolene triumphant movement moment. A Jolene triumphant moment with even greater dangers she doesn't understand looming. Like, that's that's the basic thing. Instead, mm. she's wheeled out on a stretcher. <laughs> she's <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. fucked up. Yeah. Fucking blam blam, you're out. It's interesting seeing these episodes now, knowing that, like, hey, it's just another episode. There's one immediately after this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it certainly feels different. Now it feels better, because it's just more mm-hmm, of a mm-hmm. normal cliffhanger yeah yeah and they don't make they don't structure this show in the way that we talk about it with these Mm -hmm. like third of the way quarter of the way breaks the the only time it really happened was the switch between like halfway through stardust crusaders Mm -hmm. because they did go on a production hiatus those are separate seasons in like production code Parts four and five didn't have huge breaks either. They would only go on like two week breaks in between the 13, like the each third of the season. Right, right. I mean, compared to like a 2023 20, episode uh, uh, drama, yeah. when they hit the holidays and the New Year break, a big thing happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This this isn't that. This is like, ah, ah, okay. 
wait, what? Nine? How many months? Nine months. What? Nine months. And like, we didn't even, I didn't even, like when these 13 out came out, we didn't know how long it would be either. There was no like timetable or anything. So you just had to wait and hope, well, I hope more JoJo happens at some point. And then it just kind of very suddenly came, like was announced like maybe yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a few weeks beforehand. Like, okay, it's coming back now. And I'm still very shocked that the last third comes out uh, barely like a couple Relatively quickly. Months. Yeah. Like, I wonder if that nine month gap was also was spent working on both remaining thirds of the show and not just the, the middle part. It would seem to suggest. But yeah. A lot of crazy shit happens in this weather report is very vague and powerful yes but i like the look of weather report both the guy and his powers and his stand like mm-hmm. it's fun for sure making the astronaut suit out of clouds is pretty cool using zero g and wind power to fly is cool yeah really interesting mix of accurate if exaggerated science and just total mm-hmm. bullshit <laughs> Yeah. Total like, uh, what if it was more like the movies? You know, the really bad as far as scientific accuracy goes movies. We just watched the core. Air resistance friction? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna start saying that anytime something weird happens to me now. Ten thousand like, frogs journeying 10, frogs. across continents. <laughs> Very quickly. The frogs should have just been jelly just from the speed they flew at. Like, to get there. They should have just rained the juice and nothing else. And if you've really got the the precise air control to pick up all these frogs continents away, can't you fly them through a wood chipper first and then just get the juice? Like <laughs> <laughs> This three-episode chunk is, like, the most we've gotten of Poochie so far. Like mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. Getting the, the biggest understanding what type of dude he is. A dude who met a weird guy when he was 16 and that has changed the trajectory of his life for the rest of his life. I mean, that's the time when it happens, right? (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. You like see a band and like, this is my thing. This is my thing now. (laughs) I just want to know how Poochie met Dio in Florida in the first place and what exactly made Dio not immediately go, I'm going to drink this dude. Who could I man? I don't. Dio is so Dio. Dio is so on his sleeve. <laughs> Dio does not have secrets. Dio will tell you about Dio constantly. It's the only thing he wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand all the same <laughs> why he picks his little pals and what separates yeah. them from from snack time. You know? <laughs> yeah. It almost kind of just feels like at random. It's just like, you know what? I decide I won't eat this person. I'm just going to see what they do. That's fun. Is it? Uh, is it based on ones that kind of dress like they're going to be stand users? Mm, maybe. What was Giorno's mom wearing to the club? Is, is that what saved her life? Oh, God, yeah. Maybe it's just people he meets at clubs. It, I can totally see Dio mm-hmm, going mm-hmm. to a club in Florida. And well, with those meeting. shoes. Oh, yeah. Where else would you wear those? <laughs> Yeah, he just went to one of those one of those gay clubs in Florida, and that's where Poochie was also. And it there you go. Dio is just also a big time manipulator. So yeah, maybe mm-hmm, he just mm-hmm. thought this kid looks useful to me in some way. I guess did did he already have White Snake? Because then that would be the main reason why he'd be like, oh, this White Snake ability seems really useful. Because in that flashback, there is a part where like right after he tells Poochie like, hey. 
come meet me in Egypt someday and, you know, maybe I'll have figured out this entire reaching heaven thing because he says, I'll need you to, to pull it yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe it is the, the white okay. abilities. Yeah. yeah. I, that makes sense. That does make sense. But I just assumed he didn't have a stand yet because I, right. from the past two parts, I think of Dio's globe trotting as just like being Johnny Standle seed, you know? <laughs> yeah. And just seeding, just leaving arrows in his wake and, and letting a, a whole like sub subspecies of stand users, you know, rise up behind him. Yeah. But either way, that's not the only uh, Dio flashback we'll get. There's more. So. Oh, good. Right. Oh, yeah. good. Uh-huh. Just stay dead. It's so easy. <laughs> it's so easy to stay dead. Most people have no problems. Mm-hmm. I just love that Jojo constantly finds ways to bring Dio back into the plot while never actually bringing him back to life after mm-hmm, that first mm-hmm. time, at least. This makes me, like, honestly respect the Pillar Men more as the only villains with <laughs> no connection to Dio, aside from, I guess, similar taste in masks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kira stabbed with Dio's own arrow. Yep. Diavolo gave Dio his arrows indirectly, but he did it. <laughs> yeah. And now we have like the strongest connection, I guess, a personal mentorship from Dio. Mm-hmm. And also just the protagonist being the uh, a son of Dio too. Like right, right, right. Constant Dio connections, but this is maybe the biggest one. Yeah. I was befriending a little boy just off screen this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's why White Snake talks like that? He's just trying to be Dio. Oh my God, maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What if Poochie met Giorno and it was like, oh, you met my dad? He's like, you're fucking what? Oh, yeah, take a look at this picture. He didn't give me a picture. Oh. <laughs> oh. But uh, I'm sure all of these mysteries and more will be revealed when we mm. talk about episodes 13, 14, and 15 in two weeks' time. What does that mean for next week? Well, let me tell you. We are once again having not one but two guests on, trying a little experiment this time. Uh, we'll explain what that means in, in I'm sure, the first uh, minute of next week's episode. Mm-hmm. Now that we have a good long chunk to, to marinate on, perhaps nine months worth of marination could be done. <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about it with some other people. That is coming at you next week. Monday the 2nd of January, brand new year coming at you next episode. 2023, come on. (laughs) After that, we'll be back with the next three episodes, which are Smack of Love and Revenge, 1 and 2, and Ultra Security House Unit. Sure. Sure. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh Uh-huh. Like we said last week, uh, that was recorded before Gexter Life. So now we are after Gexter Life. So now yeah. I would I can say that I was right. We did have a great time. Yes. Uh, but also, it was a fantastically uh, generous time. Oh. Uh, uh, once again, overwhelmed and, and awed by uh, what uh, people can do together and choose to do together. Uh, in this case, supporting Hurley Ch- Children's Hospital in Flint, Michigan. Uh, this is the last episode of the year, so it is the last time you are able to go to Gextra.life to to run up that total a little more for a good cause that can absolutely need it. 
you know, even just based on the day we're recording this, which we're we're still in November, I think we got just a few more donations, we would go over thirty eight K. Or oh not thirty eight. Thirty four K. Thirty four K. We're really close already, so mm-hmm, I think we can mm-hmm. make it before the end of the year. You know what? Uh I, I will say I will say, looking at the current total, it could be funnier. It, uh, and it the only be. way to get to a funny number is to add. There's no subtraction in, in this. So yeah, what are you going to do? Got it. Got it. We need that money. <laughs> got to get the funny number. <laughs> Until then, see you later. To be continued. <laughs>